Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another frightening edition of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on Fearscape Media. I made up my own theme song this week. That's what I did. It was short and quick, just like I am. <laughs> so I uh, wanted to uh, say hello to everybody. This is Stefan, your, uh, your host with the most, uh, joined as always by my petulant co-host, uh, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you this week, Josh? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, another rough week at work, but I look forward to the break in the action to be able to do this awesome show. Yeah, I am too. I'm super pumped. And we, of course, are super excited because we've got our best buddy in the whole world joining us again for another episode of Fearscape, Mr. Keith Age. How are you, Keith? Hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit, guys. Man, like I would go a for a biscuit right now, man. There you go. But yeah, we're pumped to have you back on with us. The original rock and roll ghost hunter himself, the most badass dude I've ever met in my whole life, Mr. Keith Age. Uh, but we've got you, a cool sir. show. We've got a really fun show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about Skinwalker Ranch, not Skin Washed Rash. That's something completely different. Yep, yep. It is also not COVID related, but it, you still should probably go to the doctor if you have a skin washed rash. That's but correct. we're going to be talking about Skinwalker Ranch, which is potentially one of the weirdest most haunted most cryptid i mean it's got everything it's like a paranormal epicenter right yep oh yeah so we're gonna be talking about that we're gonna be talking about that today but uh before we get to that we got stuff we got to talk about our uh our psychic word of the week right yeah so let's get on to the psychic word of the week and now Psychic word of the week. All right, this week the one that I have for you is motor levitation. That's right, this comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June Bletzer, copyright 1986. Uh, motor levitation is as follows to vertically raise and suspend one's body in the air without using physical means. Uh, in mediumship, it means to synchronize one's energies with the etheric world intelligence so that he or she nullifies the normal gravitational effect on the body and raises it. Performed in a deep trance state, always programmed and willed. 
Two, this is coming from the spiritual attainment side. It means to physically rise in the air while in a state of spiritual ecstasy. Vibrational rate in the body changes during the peak experience, giving the body buoyancy, and it automatically lifts off the ground a few inches. This occurs spontaneously and unwilled. And finally, we have the uh, definition of it in meditation. Prolonged meditational states eventually release the drossy materialistic atoms that hold the body to the earth from the body, allowing the body to rise a few feet for a short period. So like whenever you think about the uh, the guys you always see, you know, sitting uh, crisscross the legs and yeah, the yogis, yeah, you know, always meditating or, or whatever. And they're like, you know, a couple feet off the ground. That's what they're uh, Yep. Yep. I'm sure he does it all the time. Okay, I'm going to be Satan's advocate here. <laughs> when you're, how many times in your life have you been sitting and just your brain has gone somewhere else, but you haven't floated off the toilet seat? <laughs> well, and I, and I say that I've sat someplace so long that my butt's gone numb and I <laughs> feel like I'm floating. But, or your feet have gone numb and you're yeah. going, shit, I'm really there. Yeah. I farted so hard it shot me off the couch about a half an inch. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I mean, the, the mind is a strange thing. We do not know what it is totally capable of. And, you know, I have seen some of these yogi instructors that can just do amazing things. I, I met Bruce Lee once. And I, I, saw, I saw the man put his fingers in, in dense, solid one-inch plate steel, but just standing there and just concentrating. Mm. And, you know, I mean, you know, the mind can make the body do amazing things. There is no spoon, you know. So. Yeah, you know, but, I, you know, and as much as, uh, you know, I want to believe as well, I feel like we'd see more of it. I mean, yeah, we've seen, like, video of, like, David Blaine do it or whatever, but, I mean, it's like well, you can't, that's, you can't that's trust a the camera. Yeah, it's like you can't yeah. trust the camera. You know, so. I mean, that's just like Houdini. Houdini, you know, everybody's going, oh, you know, Houdini is a spiritualist. He's this, and he's like, no, it's a trick. Mm-hmm. You know, these Hindu masters and stuff like that and the Tibetan monks, people that really are into this stuff, uh, you know, uh, the, the Asian uh, nations and stuff that are really into this stuff where it's mind over matter. You know, I've, you know, that's how you know this is not a trick. This is all done, you know, with just your body and your brain. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, it's not a trick. It's not set up. It's not uh, pen and Teller. Right. Well, I mean, you know, also think about it too, you know, Stefan, you and I have talked about it before with how much people um, automatically discredit or discount what they see, right? And so if somebody came out and was levitating, would you trust, you know, let's say you're watching on YouTube and somebody said, look, I'm going to levitate three inches off the ground. Would you trust what you're seeing? Even if it was 100% legit, would you trust what you're seeing? And nope. it's been... In- it's been ingrained for like you know it's almost like a campaign to to teach us to question the validity of everything so that if something true really does come out we're going to question it we're going to you know yeah 
I don't know. I think, you know, at the same time, though, questioning so, is good, right? It's like the scientific method. It's like, I'm going to want you to good. repeat it. I'm going to want yeah. you to do this again. Yeah, I mean, that's the same as ghost hunting. You know, a lot of people, when you're with them, they'll hear a creak or a crack, and they're all, ooh, ah, and everything else. I'm like going, well, it's probably just a house settling. Right. Or, and, you know, I'm waiting for Bob the ghost to walk up and go, hi, I'm Bob. Then <laughs> I'll say, okay, you know, we have a ghost. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, but I've been into places where I've been thrown through doors and thrown through walls and up and down steps and stuff where no one's been around me, you know, and I can't explain that. Uh, had plenty of broken bones because of it. So therefore it's not my imagination. Right. And, um, you know, and then how do you, you know, uh, quantify these EVPs or disembodied voices that we get when we know there's no one else there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, it, you know, and this is going to sound um, maybe it's a little bit spiritual, but it really comes down to faith. Um, and, and again, that is exactly what ghost hunting is, is a faith-based hobby right yes, now. Yes, you've said it before, and I will coin it to you again. You are absolutely right. You know, until we get that one little bit of proof that says, okay, this is an actual, quote, ghost, you know. Yeah. Uh, can't be accounted for any other way can't be can explained away um yeah until that happens yeah uh, until then it's a hobby yep it's an expensive hobby but it's a hobby <laughs> so is christianity 10 <laughs> percent every week guys <laughs> hallelujah praise god yep all right well that's our psychic word or phrase for the week and uh and what let's was go. that word again sir no oh, god i don't remember already oh. That's that's what I was afraid of. Motoring. Motorboating. But now I gotta look it up. Oh, here it is. Motor levitation. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Say it with me, kids. Motor levitation. Gotta mark that. Next week's will be Astrophysiology. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move right into some spooky news. All right, so this week I have two stories for Spooky News. Uh, One has been making the rounds all over the internet, and so I'm going to go with that one first. Uh, This one comes from thesun.co.uk. We get a lot of our stuff from British. I think they're more excited about paranormal things than our press is. Um, But this is the story that's been going around about the haunted Louisiana mansion that is being given away for anyone brave enough to live in it. Now, uh, before I even read the story, people have already been saying it's because they can't afford the taxes on it is what they're really trying to do. So they 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 hopped up this story as a way to get people to buy it uh, or as a way to give it away so they can uh, uh, write it off on their taxes. But what this says is, is that a haunted Louisiana mansion compared to the Amityville Horror House is being given away to free to anyone brave enough to live in it, but its listing has prompted people to share spooky memories of the property, including one ex-resident who creepily claims his great granny's spirit still stirs the pot in the kitchen. And there's a picture up here. She's kind of spooky looking. Um, But it says the four-bedroom, three-bedroom 
or excuse me, the four-bedroom, three-bathroom house in Youngsville, Louisiana, was built in the 1930s, but its spine-chilling reputation is seemingly throwing a spanner into its current owner's attempt to get rid of it despite trying to give it away. McLean Investments co-owner Sylvia McLean shared three snaps of the house on Facebook to convince a suitor to move it and restore it so that they could build a new property on the land. However, numerous ex-residents and visitors replied, revealing their spooky experiences in the house. And then it goes on to just basically talk about all the different people's experiences and uh, the like. There's quite a few. It's a pretty old house, you know, from the 30s. Uh, But the agent said that hopeful homeowners have previously offered to take the house, but they quickly defined or excuse me, quickly declined after realizing that it would cost about $80,000 to pull it apart, move and reassemble it elsewhere so and that's just in the state of louisiana exactly yeah so that's that's essentially that so if you've got about eighty thousand dollars in the state of louisiana and you would like you know a you house got land you got you got land <laughs> and you got land not for a tiny house but for a giant house this is a 2400 square foot house so now uh, the the uh, agent, of course, is saying no. It's not eighty thousand. It'll only be forty thousand, but only forty thousand. And that's only if you move it within ten miles, right? <laughs> well, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm being serious. That's huh? assuming also, that, yeah. Well, and, that, and that's assuming also that the spirits even go with the house, right? Well, and and it says here. That, uh, just like Keith said, that if somebody had property within a two-mile radius, we could just drop some power lines and move it in one piece. So it could be a little bit cheaper if you live pretty close. And, you know, even like Keith said, within 10 miles, you could probably make it happen. So very, very interesting. It's a pretty-looking house. So, But, yeah, like you said, is the spirit going to follow the house or follow the land? Right, exactly. So you build something new and you've still I got want, it haunted. Yeah, so. I, I, want it, I want it in writing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so the next story I have for you guys comes from Germany, but the story itself comes from ABC News. Uh, this says, Germany, husband-in-laws charged in woman's exorcism death. German authorities have charged four people in the death of a young woman who died in an apparent exorcism ritual almost four and a half years ago. And I think we maybe even touched on this story months ago. Um, but this takes place in Berlin. It says German authorities have charged four people in the death of a young woman who died in an apparent exorcism ritual almost four and a half years ago. The Berlin persecu- p- prosecutor said Tuesday that the 22-year-old woman's husband and three other defendants face a charge of causing serious bodily harm resulting in death for their alleged attempt to cure the victim's infertility. They accused the four of jointly killing the woman, identified only as Nesma, with a saltwater treatment intended to expel demons. Authorities say that Nesma was forced to drink large amounts of salt water between November 30th and December 7th of 2015, the day she died in a Berlin hospital of pulmonary embolisms and excess fluid in the brain. Prosecutors identified the accused as the victim's husband, his parents, and uh, a man named Mohammed H., who is described as an Islamic miracle healer. Authorities didn't release the surnames, surnames of those involved in the case for privacy reasons, uh, but they do uh, show the first names. We've got Wajdi, Widad, and Mohammed and Mason. So, um, yeah, it looks like they tried to go uh, um, an Islam type route, I guess. Water, uh, holistic- waterboarding. 
Sometimes, you know, some things are, are good for DIY. Uh, exorcism is probably not the thing. You know, that it is a good DIY project. <laughs> you know, that it, it seems like that would be a that that seems like a good uh, a good sci-fi like show though. You know, DIY sci-fi or something like that. Hey, it's already happened. Yeah, the man. Animal show, release. Mm-hmm. You know, Do uh, it. So know, yeah, we've got we've got the films. We've got the films from that, and they just beat that poor girl to death. Yep. And, uh, you know, and there you go. And that was with a priest standing there. Yeah. So, you know, so, the priest priest decided to go real DIY. Yeah, so PSA, know. everybody, please please don't try exorcisms if you don't know what you're doing. I guess even if you got a priest, don't try them. I don't know. I don't know. We, You know, I'm always on the fence about exorcisms. So, uh, well, I mean, what's the criticism? Well, if you... If you do go, make sure you go through the Catholic Church. Right, <laughs> not that one guy yeah, that's mean, in all the documentaries. Do you have to be? Cal- I mean, I think I've asked this question before, but do you have to be Catholic? To, I mean, they created the exorcism. For- yes, I mean that is Catholicism. Period. Right, but if but if let's say I'm a Protestant, and I'm like I'm at my wits' end, can I go to the Catholic Church and say, hey, can you guys come do? Uh, a uh, an exorcism, or were they going? Are they going to tell me, nope, you're not Catholic? Um, that has happened in the past where they told them no because uh, yeah, that's Catholic. that's in the past. They've they've made the the rules a little bit more lax, okay. and uh, you know, and they've actually included into them the new Catholic Church uh, and several others, and the old Catholic Church. Uh, so you get three different branches of the Catholic. Yeah, pre-Vatican II, uh, you know, but that's just like, uh, you know, when we were doing uh, The Haunted Boy, which was, you know, we're the first ones to go into the actual exorcist house and film, and we got our hands on so much documentation. We we got a copy of the uh, daily journals that the priests kept when they were uh, working on this kid, and... Uh, the actual originals are, are in the Vatican locked up. We mm-hmm. we asked if we could see them. We got told no resoundingly real quick. That reminds me, Keith, we had gotten some weird email like a month or two back. Do you remember that, Josh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Regarding that episode. Yeah, that was that was really weird. Mm-hmm. It was some guy like wanted us to give him all the information we what was it? It was like he wanted all the information we had and he was gonna be going to the Vatican or something. Yeah. Yeah, very odd. And about Illuminati, of course. Well, if you're listening, if you're going to the Vatican, talk to Father Horalis. There you go. If you're out there listening, uh, Father Horalis is who you should speak to. I'm sorry, buddy. Wait wait till you get the letter from Canada addressed to yourself, and it's from a guy who says he's a werewolf, and he sends you a silver bullet to come shoot him. I'm dead serious. Did you did you take the silver? I mean, silver is pretty expensive right now. Did you take it in and, and get some money out of it? <laughs> no, I've, I've still got I've still got the bullet. Oh uh, yeah, I would I would hang then, on to that sucker but, so hard. <laughs> but uh, I got I got in touch with the town they lived in and the magistrates and got him some psychiatric help. And then years later, I was doing an event in uh, Montreal, and. Uh, this guy walks up and says, I've got 
a bone to pick with you. That's exactly <laughs> what he said to me. And I'm just looking at him like, I don't know you. How, why, you know, why do you got a bone to pick with me? And he said his name. And I went, oh, crap. This is the guy that sent me the bullet. I'm and you're pulling the shot. bullet out of your pocket like, <laughs> like Barney Fife getting ready. Well, yeah. he's, you know, the, the bone he wants to pick is from the guy that he killed as a werewolf. And he wants, yeah. to, he wants so, you to yeah. join with him as a buffet. Yeah, all, all these different things are running through my brain, you know, and I'm like, great, you know. And I'm like, you know, I got over here to Canada and they took my gun away from me. I have nothing here except for a uh, <laughs> magic marker, you know. Just throw the silver bullet at him. <sighs> Anyways, that's what no, we. But, but what he, the the bone the, the bone he wanted to pick was to thank me because for getting him some help. Oh, okay. No. Well, that's our spooky news. So let's go ahead, Josh. Let's get into uh, our our other paranormal sector here, and let's get into the UFO sighting of the week. All right, Josh. What do we got this week? Uh, so, and uh, is it is it a good? One? It's yeah, it's pretty good, I think. Um, so this comes to us from Tescott, Kansas. Uh, this happened on May fourth, uh, so may the fourth be with you. Um, and uh, yeah, here we go. I was on my porch enjoying the cool night air when a bright series of lights in my right peripheral vision caught my attention. Almost due south, at what appeared to be several miles away, I saw a series of fire orange lights, which lit up from right to left until there were probably six to ten lights lit for about one second, then went out in order right to left. I thought it was a plane breaking up in the sky. I watched that spot for several more seconds when it happened again, a few degrees further to the east. I was convinced enough that it was a plane crash. I called 911 to report it. After dialing, it occurred to me that it could be some type of aerial signal lighting or maybe a Gatlin gun from the bombing range in Lindsberg. I never heard a sound nor never saw it again. I watched for several more minutes. Interesting. So he saw it like break apart? Well, he just saw like fireball type lights illuminate from mm-hmm. left to right, and then go out from right to left. So, I mean, I, I can see what he's thinking, like, from, like, a if it was a plane breaking up or something, it would break up into fiery pieces. Um, right. I mean, when they, I lived in Orlando, they like you know, we used go to see out. the rockets go up all the time when they would send up satellites yeah. and stuff, and so you would see it break apart. and Right. But, like, and, and then I can also understand, you know, his comment around, uh, the Gatlin gun, if they're using tracer rounds and it's and it's nighttime, then they will illuminate like that. Mm, you know, they'll kind okay. of illuminate and then and they'll eventually, as they kind of fall out of the sky, they'll they'll go out. I and really so, appreciate his own. That, all, I I really appreciate his own skepticism. Yeah, like you know, where he's he's even like, ah, you right. know, I, I'm trying to make sure I know what I've seen. You know, like that's what we do as yeah. well. Yeah. So I mean, it's really interesting, and and, and especially that it that it appeared, it went out, and then it appeared again a little more to the east, mm-hmm. um, which, again, you know, if, if it's a plane breaking up, eh, probably not. I mean, at that point in time, it would have already probably crashed. Why would it break up again? Uh, but a gun could definitely, a firing tracer around or something, they could they could have shifted their position and fired some more, and then uh, the same result would have happened. So Now, the question I have is, um, is he reporting this the same night he saw it, or is this days later? 
It's the next day. The so next day. Was, so yeah. he would have heard about a plane crash. I mean. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. And especially if he called 911 and everything and, and somebody right. dispatched out there. So yeah, yeah, they would have absolutely said something. I don't know. Very, very interesting. Appreciate you sharing that, yep. Yeshua. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Gloria Estefan. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and move yep. into uh, Creepy Ketchup. We didn't get a chance last week. We got a little caught up with the Men in Black, uh, but we do have some things we want to share. <laughs> so let's move right into some Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. All right. You know, as you know, this is where we have an opportunity to share any strange or weird or paranormal things that have happened to us over the past week or so uh, that we just want to share with each other as well as our uh, blanket huggers out there. Um, I know I had a few things um, besides, you know, we, we had something we, we actually got together to record some Fearscape Unhinged, which I'm sure you'll talk about. Um, was very interesting stuff that happened a little bit. Uh, but for me, we one of the things that we did at the, the house that I'm staying at where we're still watching my mother-in-law and father-in-law's house is we cleaned out a back room that was my wife's actual growing up bedroom. And uh, it had been storage and we cleaned that out so we could get our bed in there instead of using our in-laws bed. And uh, so, you know, we've been cleaning that out for a couple of weeks and we got it cleaned out. And so the very first night that I was in there, night hack. And, uh, but it was a little different than usual. Usually they're up above me. Um, this time I was laying in bed, I couldn't move. And I look to the left of me and I see fingers all along the side of the bed, like little black fingers as if they're like sitting there. And then I see these heads kind of rise up, but only go up to the eyes. Like, you know, I don't see like anything below the eyes and it's those red eyes. And there's like five or six of them. And then they quickly go back down. And uh, I was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and I did a quick meditation to put myself back to sleep and went right back to sleep. But of course, I, you know, we've been shifting a lot of stuff in the basement because we were moving things. So I've been feeling a lot of like pushes and touches uh, when I'm down in the basement, um, especially on that stairwell. Um, it's happened a number of different times. Uh, there's been a number of times I felt like Sarah was walking into the front room. She was not. She was still in bed. Um, different things like that. It's, it's, it's been a kind of um, high strangeness kind of week. So. Yeah, and just just a reminder for anybody who you 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 know that either a you're just now tuning in or, or b you may have forgotten, but the house that Stefan's in uh, borders a cemetery, right? Yeah, it's that adjacent. There from, it's adjacent to it. Yeah, that that was there from back when it was like a farm. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, you get all kinds of. Uh, creepy ketchup. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's essentially so. the it sits between three houses. It sits between our house and then the two on the cul-de-sac. It sits directly in between, so it's essentially there. Well, I guess four, but the other guy, the one that's on uh, Saint Anth or Saint Andrew's Church Road, his is he's got a huge backyard, so I don't I don't count him. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's can, definitely. Can, a, the, can the ghost hunter make a suggestion to you? The ghost hunter can. Okay. We've had some weird stuff happening here, and it's been happening here off and on for a while. So uh, the other night, our bedroom door keeps opening. 
and it's really a tight door. You have to mm -hmm. turn the knob to open it. So strange stuff. And before the door even opens, the dogs, you know, they sleep in here with us. They just go crazy. Same with mine. And then yeah. The door opens. Yeah. You know? All right. So we have a full alarm system, which has not gone off, but we're hearing things move around at night. So I set up a Zoom, uh, a digital recorder, set in the kitchen. And about 2 a.m. several nights, you hear a door open. You hear things moving around. You can hear the fish tank constantly going off in the kitchen. So, right. you know, I know, know nothing is being tampered with. And uh, this happens for about 10, 15 minutes. This went on for a week or two, off and on. And then uh, all of a sudden, we heard a voice calling one of our names. And this is all on the recorder. And then you hear the door open and close again. But the alarm never went off. Hmm. Set up a recorder, Slick. Yeah, I've got one. I oh, just need to bear, uh, unbury it. I've been telling yeah, you. If, 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 if you need it, I've got plenty of recorders. Come <laughs> over. I'll be happy. I bet happy. you do. <laughs> I've got one. I just have to get it out of a box. Well, I've been telling him Not that. Not easy uh, to get to. <laughs> I've been telling him he should, ahead, he should do a, a video. You know, try, you know, just make sure that Sarah's Sarah's aware of it. Um, but to do a video, a video of him Wrong sleeping. type, Stefan. <laughs> uh, but, you know, of him sleeping at night to see if, if it catches anything weird on the nights that he has night hags. So, yeah, um, I need to. Uh, the, I have the, only, the only problem with that is uh, your battery's not going to only going to last for an hour. Well, I got a know? plug. I got a plug. Well, yeah, but you can only do a 32 gigabyte, you know, uh, SD yeah, drive on if it. I, if I want, yeah, if I want high def, yeah. I mean, I can do yeah. shitty quality and then get me a Loch Ness Monster sighting, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. know, again, you need night vision cameras or something, you know, just yell. Yeah. What? Well, I might give you a. Buzz but I, I, because, but uh, I definitely don't want to witness any porn stuff, you know. Good man. Good man. Well, yeah, Josh's you know, house, I think, been, is a little more spooky than mine right now. Yeah, we've got some stuff in the backyard. Now, my um, So my kids have been reporting uh, that they hear, like, footsteps. They've heard their name called. They've been out in the backyard and heard, like, uh, uh, kids talking, but there's no kids around. Um, I'm like, I'll lay in, in the living room. I'll be sitting on the couch when the, after they go to bed, you know, wife's in the back bedroom, I'm watching TV and the cat's laying out there with me. And all of a sudden, like the stairs a pop, like somebody's walking up the stairs and the cat looks up and then the cat follows whatever, whatever, like down <laughs> the hallway. So, yeah, I mean, I, um, it's all sounds at this point. I've never actually seen anything other than that one morning that I saw like a shadow or something run past me. But other than that, it's all it's all nighttime stuff. Um, the other night we were laying in bed uh, waiting. You know, we were kind of cuddling with my kids, getting ready to go to sleep or go to bed. And, and um, we had a like a, a plastic bucket that was like an Easter basket uh, that was sitting at the top of the stairs. 
and it all of a sudden turned over and all the stuff that was in it like rolled down the stairs and I'm like I went and looked and there's nothing that could have caused it to turn over that ghost so, was like it's time like, to go yeah. find your easter eggs again <laughs> <laughs> well and they, like my kids would you like to borrow, borrow would you like to borrow our, our thermal heck yes <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, my my kids had lined up all the Easter baskets in front of the stairs to try to block the stairs, and like that's gonna get that's gonna get interesting. <laughs> well, did I, you have anything else, Josh? Yeah, I've got one other thing, and that's so that's uh, this was all like what what I would have talked about last week. So I got one other thing for for tonight, and as Stefan mentioned, we got together over the weekend. We you know I had a pile of wood I needed to burn. We just got together and burned that. Just a couple of Fearscape unhinged episodes, and as it started to get dark and we could no longer film, we started just kind of you know looking up at the stars and stuff. Um, and at one point in time, the clouds were like moving uh, you know in front of the moon, and uh, it looked like the clouds were like buffering. It's the best thing I can think about. Like it was moving in front of the moon and they would freeze and then they would like glitch forward yeah. a couple of feet and then they would freeze and glitch forward. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really weird. And then it, and then after that, it never did it again. And, and like I said, because Stefan saw it too, I was like, well, it's not just me seeing something. So, well, it's like the plane anomalies people are starting to report in the last five years where they look up, they see a plane in the air, and it's not moving. Right? And then yeah. they'll get closer to it, and it's still not moving, and they're catching up to it. You know, the plane's flying away from them, but they're catching up to it, and then all of a sudden they'll get to a point and the plane will be uh, almost out of sight. Yep, I've had I've, I've had that happen quite a bit. Yeah, over the years I've seen that, especially living. I used to live near the airport, so I see that a lot. It does. Sometimes it does. It looks like it's just hung in the air, and you're like, "Is that sucker gonna fall down like and crash?" Yeah, and it, did it hang? Part, <laughs> it's just hanging. Well, and part of that is is obviously our our uh, our idea or or our perception of of uh, the sky and. And that we we think in linear terms, and we think that the sky is just kind of going forever in a straight line, but it actually curves. And so right. we might see that plane kind of look like it's hanging there, but it's really just kind of it's it's flying in a curve. And so we're not seeing that curve until it gets further down out of our vision. So oh it's, yeah, you're, you know when you're dealing with linear motion and time optics and the time continuum and everything, that all the mathematics in that are just so massive you know that's why you if you look at a chart and you're going you got 10,000 planes flying everywhere you're like going man thank god you know radar's good but it ain't that good you gotta have faith somewhere in <laughs> yeah. there yeah well and i always thought it was funny like uh, pretty much in every sci-fi show that i think i've ever watched except for maybe a couple they always represent orientation of the uh like the spacecraft is always directly in line with like a planet or the moon or whatever mm-hmm. the it's it's always again in that kind of linear space right you know the the only time that you really saw you know i could think off the top of it, it's like star trek first contact when Worf and picard and the uh, instant whatever guy are out walking on the ship and hawk. you realize yeah hawk and you realize that they're like 
they're upside down, but then they change the orientation of the camera to, right. to take it, you know, so it's not, but I mean, it, yeah. So just again, the, our perception and our inability to think about things in a three dimensional space. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause linear, linear is just a square, you know, right. and, and it's a bunch of squares and that's, that's where the mathematics come in and everything. And, yeah. you know, and it's our perception of what we see. Right. I was watching this uh, documentary and they were interviewing a bunch of astronauts and astronauts were talking about how actual there is some sort of linear in the universe uh, when it's really clear when the sun's not shining because you can see the horizon line of the uh, Milky Way. So you can see where it sits. And so, you know, it doesn't it's so big. It's not like you can go up or down and move away from that horizon line because it's so large, but it kind of gives you an idea of where you are in space. It was really kind of interesting, and they were like, "It it, it really helps uh, to navigate by seeing the horizon." Yeah, that's 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 what Josh was talking about. Till the mm-hmm. the ocular, the sunlight, which is that's the ocular part of it, comes into it, and then our eyes do a yep. different take. Yep, that's they and talked that's the about the whole that. thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. he was talking about. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing he's talking about with the first contact. You know. Uh, you realize oh that's really supposed to be upside down (laughs) right or is so but uh you know but look look at look at the the uh, video footage that has just been put out by the navy of these ufos Mm -hmm. uh that they just you know they just released these what two weeks ago you know and then again, you're also dealing with linear. That's how their radar is capturing it is right. by linear motion, and that's better than radar. And all of a sudden, it's just gone, or it changes uh, its bubble. Yeah, you know, right. uh, its degree of angle and well, ascent and everything. Well, and, and and we as we watch those videos. <clears throat> again see things in linear so what you don't realize is that they're moving at great speeds behind a background that you can't differentiate right because they're in the sky or they're the ocean as a backdrop or whatever the case may be so without some sort of a backdrop for our eyes it's hard for us to estimate uh, speed distance all that kind of stuff so when you're looking at the night sky or the sky or anything like that and there's not something else in the sky to help your eye understand depth perception and, and all that kind of stuff it's really easy to trick yourself into thinking you're seeing something that you're really not right oh. right well let's get moving into our topic then talking about things uh, that people see so let's go ahead and move into our topic of skinwalker ranch you hear the name skinwalker fear comes into your spirit into your soul you're afraid to even use his name All right, Josh, so we are joined by Keith Age, of course, and we're going to be talking about Skinwalker Ranch, also known as Sherman Ranch. This is a known hotbed for a bunch of different experiences, paranormal, UFO, cryptid. It's It's got everything, uh, men in black, the whole nine yards. This is the kit and caboodle of paranormalia. Is that a word? Yeah, and just so we're clear, it's, it's kit and caboodle. Not a kitten caboodle, because a kitten caboodle <laughs> is what you 
is what you carry your cat around in. <laughs> yeah, a kitten caboodle <laughs> is what you carry your kitten around with, correct. Uh, but a kit and a caboodle right, right. is both the kit and, and caboodle. And yes. the caboodle. So, yeah. So what do we, what do we got this right, week? Right, exactly. Yeah. And Keith, you've already you've been out there before. <laughs> we know that. We've talked to you once before. So we're very interested in your perspective, and we know our listeners will be as well. You know, when you're dealing with Indian lore, uh, you know, Skinwalker Ranch, yes, I've been there. It's really wild. Uh, what you think you see and what you know you see, again, like we talked about with opticals, but also other places that uh, – you know, uh, in Oklahoma, and uh, you know, we've caught so much stuff on on video and audio. It's just amazing. But uh, no, like I said, for those that don't know the whole Skinwalker story, please be my guest. Located near uh, Fort Duchesne, Utah, uh, and about 150 miles from Salt Lake City, is Bottle Hollow and the Skinwalker Ranch. In uh, 1970, a reservoir was built uh, in covering about 142 acres, making Bottle Hollow one of a kind, a premier resort built on an Indian reservation. The motel and convention center at Bottle Hollow was built with federal money to help the Northern Ute Tribe, or U- I don't know if it's UTE, uh, economic diversity and provide jobs for tribal members. The resort was an attractive oasis in the eastern Utah desert. A sparkling swimming pool was the perfect site for fashion shows in the early 1980s. In the summer, Bottle Hollow Resort was also home to a popular local community dinner theater and numerous high school reunions. The dramatic decline of the oil boom of the uh, Unitaw Basin in the late 1980s also brought the eventual abandonment of the Bottle Hollow Resort by the Ute Tribe. Hmm. So... The Utes uh, believe that the lake is inhabited by several large aquatic snakes with the first serpent sightings dating back just after the area was filled as a reservoir. Eyewitnesses claim that they have on occasion seen things crawling around from the marina all the way down to the end of the reservoir. According to tribal police officers, an inordinate number of drowning cases have occurred in the reservoir. I mean, how one do you, case how do you of a decide, drowning investigated by po- I mean, how do you decide what is an ordinate amount of drownings versus an inordinate or inordinate amount, right? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that um, I'm, I'm sure that this exists. That people who do statistics will say that. A town with had, which has a reservoir or a lake or whatever the case would be, given a certain amount of population, should expect to see X number of drownings in a given year. Okay. And so an inordinate amount would be anything that is well above that number. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So it says one case of a drowning uh, investigated by police is that a woman and her male friend that were swimming at night... Witnesses on the beach heard the woman screaming that something in the water grabbed her and was pulling her under. Her Hmm. male companion dove under the water and claimed that he encountered a huge black snake and attempted to free the woman from it. The woman was eventually pulled to the surface, but did not survive the ordeal. Hmm. 
there were also accounts of strange lights entering and leaving the water. Another report mentions a bluish light exiting the water and then disappearing over the Skinwalker Ridge. Okay, so there's also claims that this underwater is like an underwater base as well. Yep, and so where this kind of gets into, and this is, you know, the kind of introduction of why it's called Skinwalker Ranch. So Skinwalker Ranch is a a pretty large swath of area out there in this uh, Uten Peninsula Basin. And it's called Skinwalker Ranch because of Skinwalker Ridge. Skinwalker Ridge, uh, for anybody who knows back to our Shapeshifter episode, we talked a little bit about Skinwalkers. Skinwalker is um, a, a medicine man who they who uh, Native American tribes believe can shapeshift into anything really, but a lot of times into other people. Right. And so the ridge is named for the Skinwalker because they've got reports of or, or you know uh, these serpents in the area which they believe to be Skinwalkers. So. Uh, name for the ridge is named for the skinwalker the ranch is named for the ridge there we have the the namesake of skinwalker ranch gotcha. Keith, you look like you want to add something uh it just uh it goes back even further than that into the 1700s and 1800s where yep. the Utes actually were warring tribes against other tribes and their shaman would shift change and that's where the skinwalker Right, actually, term came from, and then, you know, so it dates back back to that, and then it just it's just kept going. Plus, it's going on with uh, the uh, the snake, uh, they they call them the serpents, the feathered serpents, and uh, several other things. But you know, that's that leads into today's history. Yeah, so getting a little bit into a timeline here. Um... It basically, you've got in 1776, uh, the Dominguez and Escalante expedition travels through the Maiton along Skinwalker Ranch. Then we kind of jump forward a little bit. In 1880, several bands of Ute tribes were relocated by the government onto the reservation surrounding Skinwalker Ranch. In 1886, the military finalized construction of Fort in Fort Dusane. Also in 1886, Buffalo soldiers were stationed at Fort Duchesne. One particular soldier was a known Mason and may have connections in the Mason-like symbols that are etched into the rocks at Skinwalker Ranch. 1906 to 1911, underground rumblings and explosions are heard both day and night around the ranch. So, yeah, wasn't that like the time of the last pandemic? Or were they just creating shelters underneath there? It's just... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know that whole, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, mountain, uh, what's it, Mount Cheyenne in uh, Colorado? Oh, where, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, the, where the Air Force and all that kind of stuff is stationed. I mean, I don't There's know There's a lot how... of those. There's a bunch right. in New Mexico as well, yeah. My uh, right, so, my my friend Lizzie's brother works at Sandia Labs inside one of those mountain things. Yeah, so I mean, who who knows uh, what they might have been blasting or digging for that was shaking the ground? I mean, I I don't want to necessarily I don't want to necessarily say it wasn't uh, paranormal related, but I don't want to also assume that it was. So 
the first uh, 1905, the first Skinwalker Ranch settlers, John and Emma Myers, built a small homestead on the property. Uh, the Locke family also moves onto the west side of the property. Around this time, the Locke family recalls a noteworthy occurrence of a strange visitor to the property. The stranger arrived out of nowhere, was wearing time period appropriate clothing. However, underneath it was a dazzling blue one-piece outfit. He dazzling? asked for water. Stefan? Yes, Stephen. he asked for water. It's dazzling. Asked Sounds me like a lanulosion. Yep. Uh, asked for water and had a <laughs> lengthy conversation with the family. He then walked off and disappeared. The assumption is that the bizarre figure told the Locke family where not to dig on the property. <laughs> y'all don't want to see what we got underneath this dirt, y'all. I'm telling you what, y'all want to, y'all just want to stir clear. <laughs> well, you know, Stephanie kind of talked, you know, we talked about uh, the whole uh, uh, inner earth type theory. Like the and, hollow earth, inner earth, that, yeah. Yeah, the hollow earth. And and if that is where, you know, kind of lanulos is or whatever, and and so I can imagine, you know, if if underneath Skinwalker Ranch there is some type of intersection point with uh, Hollow Earth, and they would say, "Hey, don't dig here," you know. So, mm -hmm. I mean, the I desert is that, that full of untapped cave systems. Not as much as like us in Missouri, where we've got this karst topography. I mean, theirs is a lot older, um, but yeah, there are these untapped cave systems that still exist out there that a lot of people aren't even aware of yet. Well, I tell you, have y'all checked out the uh, History Channel Skinwalker Ranch series? Yeah, I've watched uh, yeah. three out of the uh, however many five episodes that are available so mm -hmm. far. So right. Well, uh, I mean, Doctor Taylor, who is one of the lead investigators out there, he's an astrophysicist, and uh, I mean, they have found all kinds of things. You know, that goes. They're still to this day saying, "Don't dig." Yeah. You know, people yeah. get sick, people get, you know, injured. Yeah. Uh, some of these things, they've opened up caves and stuff, and they get gamma radiation coming out of it. Yes. You know, high yeah, yeah. levels of gamma, you know, and right. then uh, also... Don't, uh, don't let Bruce Banner Different microwave bursts. Yeah, different microwaves and stuff coming from the air, you know, above them. Yeah, uh, there's a theory right. that you know, I read so, online that talked all about you know, the nuclear testing, and they were out in the desert, of course, and that these these untapped caverns and caves that exist down there that they didn't realize that they were pouring this radiation into these caves, and it was dispersing and allowing itself to travel through these caves to hit other states and and other things from the underground. Yeah. Like that's something I was reading. Right. So yeah. you know all that going on. And you're talking about these people who can change their shapes and skin stuff. Now you're talking about the ultimate Paiute run, you know? Right. You know, with all this radioactivity going on. Right. You can see anything. Turning into but, the Hulk, uh, man. I was telling Yeah. I was telling Josh a couple of weeks ago, there's a new place on the west side of the ridge. It's it's not new, it's an older ranch, but they've turned it basically into a bed and breakfast. It's right. called Strawberry yeah. Ranch. People can, they can can now go there and stay there. And they're getting weird things. Ben Hansen, who's a friend of mine, uh, a lot of people know him from different TV shows. He was an FBI agent and one of the most skeptical people you ever meet in your life. Uh, he did various different 
things out there trying to figure it out and he was just like, I have no idea. <laughs> right, right, for sure. So so if we get you know, let's just jump back into our timeline here a little bit. So we're in, in we were nineteen oh five, we got the man with the asking for water saying, Hey, don't dig. In nineteen fifteen, ten years later, a strange man appears out of nowhere, asks for a glass of water. <laughs> of course. The homesteaders notice that beneath his period appropriate attire he's wearing a blue sparkling outfit. So yeah, there's two appearances there of potential. Either Lanulogian, uh, you know, I can't say that word, no, or Men in Black, because that's also a thing we <laughs> talked about with Men in Black. So. Right. So in uh, 1930, uh, Christopher Locke uh, reveals that the first cattle mutilation has occurred on the ranch. Jumping ahead to 1944, two miles from Skinwalker Ranch, a larger silver globe-like object is seen flying over Fort Duchesne. Um, which, you know, the, the whole speculation, if you ever, we should, Stephen, we should do a topic on this, but they were, um, I've watched something recently that was talking about how the Nazis were supposedly working on uh, anti-gravity technology. Right, that they could and, move and, from pole uh, to UFOs pole. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Pole to pole in minutes is what, um, yep, what so. it, uh, the guy that went down to the Antarctic there. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but uh, but I don't know the guy who Kesar, the, guy, the first that... guy who no, this was, was like a captain or something, and he was the first guy to map. <laughs> no, I, I was making a joke. I figured Stephanie <laughs> I, would get it. I got it. I was with you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, so anyway, so you know, he makes you wonder if like the UFOs seen around towards the end of World War II were actually you know Nazi prototype. Right. Yeah, or something. So. Watch that same dog. Well, you know? I mean, they they actually have the carcass of a round, disc-shaped uh, thing that uh, they captured in somewhere in Germany in one of the rocket testing places. They actually have that in a museum somewhere over there. Yeah, and you know, and uh, Josh, that's it was where all that started from. It was Admiral Bird. That's who it was that went Thank down you. there. Thank you. Yep. 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 Bird. Bird is the word. So. Yep. So in uh, 1950s to 1960s, uh, Junior Hicks and other locals report a surge or UFO flap uh, in UFO reports in the Unitaw Basin. However, Skinwalker Ranch itself historically has little to no recorded activity. Now, yeah, yeah it's I all on the other this, side of the ridge. Yeah, interesting. Now I did pull. I did pull this off of. The, there's an actual website for all the Skinwalker Ranch stuff, um, and I pulled this off of their website. But also in watching the Skinwalker Ranch uh, series or whatever the show on History Channel, they've got some really really exciting video footage of like lights moving, you know, over the top of the ridge and things like that. So very interesting. And daytime too. Yeah, where it, yeah, they're watching it, well. and all of a sudden it just zips out of, yeah, it just zips out of view. Uh, what's what's cool? You're talking about uh, not happening on the ranch side of it, the UFO uh, occurrences, where they have been noted, most notably noticed that is over the quarry ridge, and the water, and the lake, and everything. It's in that area where you know when they see them low to the ground and stuff that they can't figure out what it is. 
Yep. And it says here that there was a there was a wave of UFO sightings in 67 until 68, which is right around the same wave of UFO sightings as like Mothman and all that kind of stuff is related to. Yep, surprising. I still say it's a big owl. <laughs> big owl? Like Big Al's toy no. barn? No, a big owl. I mean, his name could be Al. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. You ever see one of those owls I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we, we, we have. We looked it up one. Are... Yeah, but, yeah. but those mean, owls got, aren't that big. big red, I saw them get to be six feet tall, you know, and they have great big red eyes. And they got a wingspan of about eight, nine feet. You know. The better to see you with, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, most of what people think they see is usually something else. Mm-hmm. And then their mind just goes, holy crap, I just saw the Mothman. You know, yeah. when it was something else. And same thing with Bigfoot. You know, uh, there's been tons of people who said they've witnessed Bigfoot that didn't make it out of their encounters because they went looking for it and what they thought was Bigfoot was actually a bear. It's a bear, yeah. So, yeah, you know, jumping back into the timeline here, we've got, you know, so Bottle Hollow Resort was built. We already talked about that a little bit. The reservoir was constructed. Uh, In 1970, cattle mutilations suddenly become common in the Unitaw Basin and around the ranch. That's right around the same time that the reservoir is starting to be constructed. So <clears throat> so it's um, like it, I, almost like we were pushing them out, right? Like, right. You, you think about it. If you you know, you, a reservoir is essentially a backed up dam, I mean a backed up river. You know, who knows what you were pushing out, what was what caves were being filled up, what was what was Exactly. Hidden. Yep. Uh in 1978 a desert news article discusses a mass sighting of a UFO seen 10 miles from the ranch. Let's see. NASA built a laser observatory out, out near the ranch. Um, really? So that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's still there, I wonder. It was it was removed. It, it yeah. was decommissioned. <laughs> they were seeing too much stuff, I guess. Uh, well, probably it's probably just, light. It's like good. I would say probably more light pollution. Yeah, it's it's like Pro- Project Blue Book. Uh, you know, they were spending a lot of money and they weren't getting very much results. Uh, therefore, they just go with the scientific what they knew at the time. Right. So in, um, let's see, in 1994, Edith Child Myers, who, who was the prior ranch owner at the age of 88, died. And Edith's brother-in-law, Gareth, excuse me, Garth, Gardner Myers sells the property to the Shermans. Yeah, Terry Sherman. So in 1994, Terry and Gwen Sherman and their children Sorry. moved. That's okay. <laughs> moved their moved themselves and their cattle into the 480-acre ranch south of Fort Shane, Utah. Um, in 1995, the National Institute for the Discovery of Science, or NIDS, is not formed. NADS. Not NADS. No, nope, not NADS. 
Although I think you probably have some nads if you're going to go out and stay in Skinwalker Ranch. That's all. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tuscan Raider over there, man. <laughs> uh, the organization was initially set up to research uh, and advance serious study of various fringe sciences and paranormal topics, most notably uh, ufology. <laughs> Uh, in 1996, a Desert News article broke the story about a strange activity on Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, billionaire Robert Bigelow bought Skinwalker Ranch for a mere $200,000 in 1996 Jeez. and moved his NIDS team of scientists onto the ranch. Right. That's the guy that owns Budget Suites and uh, Bigelow Airspace. Right. Yep. And he was also in that movie with uh, like uh, I can't think of his name, like Deuce Bigelow. That's what was his cousin. Up. Just shut up. <laughs> he tried. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, a you know, for effort, every, buddy. For every bad joke, there's a couple good ones in there. So, um, so in uh, so he in was two, the Elon Musk of his day, apparently. You know, I mean, he's the one that started Nids and all that. So, yeah. But his his was more paranormal related as opposed to space. So in, in 2004, NIDS is shut down and is replaced by Bass. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's B-A-A-S-S. How far are you saying? Boss? Bass. Would it be boss? I don't know. Boss. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I'll let Stefan say it. It sounds better when it comes out of his mouth. Bass. Uh, which stands for Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies. Oh, yeah. So he wasn't getting enough recognition with the other name. And everybody was calling it NADS. Well, and, and if you didn't have the B, it would just be ass. So. <laughs> Oss. Oss. Um, the assumption is that I Bass I believe, had a more. I believe that would be ace. Yeah, <laughs> Veronica Vaughn is one sweet piece of ace. <laughs> the ace of bass. What would that be? <laughs> That's go. Lance Bass. There you go. He got it. Yeah. <laughs> it all goes around. Um, yeah. Like Lance Bass. What goes around comes around. Um, so the assumption is that Bass had a more clandestine mission statement that NIDS and a government sponsor was on the horizon. In uh, uh, 2005, George Knapp and Colm Kel Keller uh, co-published the book Hunt for the Skinwalker, which introduces Skinwalker Ranch to the mass public. Um, in 2007, an unnamed agent from the DIA contacts Bigelow and requests to see the ranch in person. Bigelow obliges, and the agent has a personalized close encounter on the ranch. Right, so that's personalized. the defense, they the defense intelligence agency. So it's like, what, what do they want, right? He then reports his experience to his superiors, which was the initial catalyst for Senator Harry Reid's appropriating $22 million for the study of Skinwalker Ranch. 
Dude, you got to give Harry Reid some credit, man. Like, even now, he's he's still, like, involved in all the stuff that's getting released uh, in terms of UFO-related stuff. I just read an uh, interview with him where he was talking about the stuff that the Pentagon just released and how he'd been pushing them forever to release things and stuff like that. So good on you, Harry Reid, for even after being retired, still still kicking ass. Yeah, and so since we were talking earlier about uh, the you know the three videos that now are officially released from the DoD, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this ties into the group that that really put that together uh, on the History Channel, uh, Louis Elzano, um, the To the Stars the Academy, Tom, yeah, DeLong. To the Stars Academy, yep. Uh, so in two thousand seven, ATIP is formed, and that's where Louis Elzano, Elzando. <clears throat> was the main person who ran ATIP, which stands for the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, which when you think about it is really just Project Blue Book underneath a new name. Right, so it's uh, just a tip, right? Yeah, just a tip. Just a tip. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need. Real reporting here on Fearscape. That's all right. When I was before I was getting ready for the show, I was thinking I was singing Fearscape a bunch of Oh my ways. god, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> and, and I was thinking, what if it's not Fearscape? What if it's Fearest Gabe? Fearest Gabe. Fearest Gabe. I know a guy named Gabe, and he is the fearest of them all. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that that's where it all kind of ties back around into the Louis Elizondo and those folks. Um it tells CMI. me it's in good hands. It like, now. Yeah, with Allstate. Sorry, that's <laughs> a, no plug intended. <laughs> yeah, they are not a sponsor yet. No, not yet. <laughs> All right, so you remember back in, what was it, uh, 2000 and well, when did they buy that thing for $200,000? 2007, I think you said? Uh, 1996. 96, 90, yeah. 96 they bought it for 200,000. In 2016 it was sold for 4.5 million. To an oh, undisclosed damn. to an undisclosed buyer who we now know is disclosed cuz they have a show on the History Channel. <laughs> <laughs> um so basically and this, you know, takes us forward to uh Right, so as this far is as the, yeah, they call themselves right the Adamantium Holdings, like. Yep. Yeah, yep. Brandon Fugel. Um, and. Yep, and uh, so now the the show that is on History Channel is basically following that crew, as they try to investigate and understand what's happening. At right, because there's a lot of talk because it's a shell organization that no one can find the the main corporation for. And so there's a lot of conspiracy theorists losing their damn minds over adamantium holdings, especially because of Wolverine. Uh, There's a nerdy aspect to it. But the fact that it's a shell corporation of unknown origin is crazy. And then they are the ones that blocked everything, put all the perimeters up, the guarded by cameras and barbed wire and all that stuff. Like, it's the shell corporation. So, hmm. That's where the conspiracy yeah. really digs deep. And a lot of the conspiracy theory people are saying it's the U.S. Army that actually owns it now. Right. Yep. Been hearing that a lot, too. Well, well and, and, you know, so 
we, we've talked a little bit about the history of everything. Um, if it's okay with you guys, jump into some of the stories. Yeah, of, I want to get uh, more into that happened. for sure. All right, so uh, one of my first stories that I have here is uh, from Terry uh, and his wife, Gwen, who you remember was the uh, Shermans, and this is from mm-hmm. the summer of 1994. Um, and so they uh, they moved there to raise their uh, teenage son and nine-year-old um, uh, daughter. They were puzzled by such a prime piece had been sitting vacant for seven years. Um, the first signs that something was different about the place were the large circular impressions which the sermons kept finding in their pastures. Uh, one configuration formed a 30-foot triangle. Uh, one, other circles were found measuring roughly three feet wide and one to two feet deep. The soil inside the holes was firmly impacted. Interesting. Um, and about also, this time, a lot of those were also had a lot of burning markings where it was just, it wasn't from fire, but some type of heat source. Yeah, singed is the good word. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, the uh, in April of uh, 1995, um, the weirdness dramatically escalated. While checking his cattle one evening, Terry saw a silent, glowing object pass over a 50-foot-tall stand of poplar trees. That fringed one of their fields. A few days later, Gwen saw another unexplained flying object. It looked like it had lights, but they were a little ways away from the craft. It just lit the whole side of the mountain up like it was broad daylight. Terry started examining his odd cattle deaths more closely. The first cow found dead shortly after the UFO sighting showed only a hole in the center of his left eyeball. Predators had not touched the carcass, and Sherman noted a chemical smell in the vicinity. A short time later, a second cow was found dead with the same hole in the left eyeball. With both these animals, Terry had taken a wire and inserted it into the hole to gauge its depth. In both cases, the wire slipped in easily to the center of the brain. <laughs> Look, give me James Brown going when you uh, talk about slipping <laughs> in the brains. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, the, again, uh, we talked about it. I don't think I can go through an episode without talking at least once about Star Trek. This will be like the fourth time. Mm-hmm. Um, in... Uh, first contact where they show like Picard in the needles like sticking him in the eyeball like I can't I can't do that scene yeah there I'm a big horror movie buff man you know I am but there are certain things that I can't watch and and anything being shoved into an eyeball is one of those things Uh, let's see when when they're turning when they're trying to turn him back into Borg yeah right so it says here that uh, also during this time, some of the Sherman's cows started disappearing. Uh, Terry said, we contacted everyone around. We looked everywhere. They just vanished. Okay. Uh, in one instance, Terry followed the tracks of a cow to fresh snow. The tracks just stopped under some trees at the, end, at the edge of a field. 
The area around the animal's last steps was surrounded by a circle of fresh twigs and branches, which Terry could see had come from the trees above. Hmm. Like it hid in the tree? Like it jumped up <laughs> like there? It. <laughs> like a damn monkey? <laughs> like the predator got it, you know, came down. and Or something descended upon it. Mm, yeah. And yep. broke the limbs. Yep. The mothership. Yeah, well, my uh, I used to work for I used to work for a guy who said that uh, deer hunting uh, with bows and rifles is not fair. You should have to hide in a tree with a knife and drop from above and Jesus. wrestle and wrestle the deer. <laughs> so, anyways, good luck. <laughs> uh, you fall down and just get impaled by a freaking antler. Right. <laughs> you don't time it just right. Um, so during the next few months, the Shermans observed a variety of craft uh, and the mutilation activity continued. The most spectacular aerial phenomenon they observed was described by Terry. In quotes, we would see these 100-foot circular openings appear in the air. It was like four orange-colored doorways would sort of spiral open. Wow. Looking through a high-powered scope, the Shermans watched as smaller craft would emerge from the hovering portals, fly around the property, then re-enter the doorways. The Shermans described the stealthy smaller craft as being about 60 by 40 feet and squarish with short wings. The smaller craft looked like they were flying a grid. They also appeared to emit spikes of light, which hit the ground. The Shermans thought this to be some sort of navigation system. Wow. That is beautiful, the way that so it's described. I would, I mean, I would love to see beautiful. a vortex open. I'd love to see a vortex open up in the sky. That'd be awesome. It's interesting. I watched this movie called Phoenix Forgotten. It's a fake movie. I mean, it's it's found footage, fake horror movie, but it's all about the Phoenix lights and about these kids that try to go explore and end up blah, blah, blah. But anyways, they talk a lot about the petroglyphs that are out there, which I've seen a lot, um, those ancient uh, drawings on rocks and stuff. And they talk, they showed a lot of the spirals and stuff and uh, the UFOs that they end up seeing end up being these very kind of spiral type it was really really interesting i had never seen anything like it and so it was almost like this this vortex that was a machine it was it was very interesting yeah so it goes on to say here that uh the sherman's son actually found the mutilated cow within five minutes of its death uh the young man had seen the gentle angus eating peacefully and returned moments later to find it dead the cow's rectum had been cored out with a six inch wide hole it was eight inches deep. Now, I know that scavengers and things will go for the rectum first because it's soft tissue and all that kind of stuff, but, but that's different than, like, I mean, the way this is described, it's like they took some of it. <laughs> it's just weird. Well, I mean, I mean, they may have. I don't know. We don't, don't judge somebody based off of what they eat, man. <laughs> rectum <laughs> damn near killed him. <laughs> I mean, I'm not eating cow's feet and pig tongue and shit but people do people eat shit probably if you've ever thought you were eating peyote and realized it was just a cow pie <laughs> happened to Cheech and Chong 
Um, so it says that during uh, that summer, Terry, his son, and his nephew had heard unintelligible voices while standing in a nearby pasture. The sound, which they first assumed to be the echoes of a CB radio, seemed to emanate out of the air directly above them. They listened more closely. They could distinctly hear two voices speaking in unknown language, which Terry described as choppy, anti-halting like a cross between Russian and Native American. Hmm. One voice had a deep, resonant tone, and the other was higher pitched. Terry yelled into the air, We can hear you! And the voices stopped momentarily, and the deeper voice broke into a rumbling laugh. The conversation then went on as before. Wow. So, I mean, it's just really interesting that again, they heard something, uh, commented on it, or commented to it, and then it just, you know, kind of continued. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the cool thing is all this is escalating up. Right. So by the fall, events seem to be moving towards a climax. Seeing the lights in a field one night, Gwen grabbed her binoculars. Focusing in, she was shocked to see a square-lighted structure sitting on the ground. Before the light blinked out, Gwen caught a glimpse of a large, heavy-set individual. That's Al. That's Al from... <laughs> that's that's the big owl with red eyes. <laughs> uh, red eyes. Seated in the object, a short time later, the craft appeared again. This time, both she and Terry watched through a sixty-power spotting scope. They could see a figure standing next to the object. Terry described the person as being over six feet tall and decked out in a totally black uniform and very huge. The Shermans noted that the bean appeared to have a visor or something shiny on its face because of the way the light glinted from its head area. Crazy. So, I mean, we think about kind of the what's being described here. What, what kind of pops into my head is a um, like somebody wearing one of those metallic uh, looking uh, heat shield suits. You know, it's got like the <laughs> yeah. the mask and the in the in the glass and stuff. So, I mean, if it was like a radiation suit or something, that would be, um, you know, that would be fit with. I what mean, the you other put wings on it, you got Mothman. <laughs> maybe, maybe it did have wings Ace. and they were just folded uh, back. Now this was the seventies. Uh, yeah, this would have been before they sold it. So. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say if it's 67, you know, the last episode of Green Hornet had the little men from Mars <laughs> so with those type of suits on stuff. There you go. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really, I, I've got like pages and pages and pages more of stuff that I could talk about. Um, but oh, I well, would like... The, the, big, the big thing with them to me is after all the UFO stuff, then they actually met what they think was a true skinwalker where they actually shot it several times and it had no effect on it and it was killing some of their uh animals yeah and that's the that's the the werewolf story right so they yeah they have this yeah. like big big wolf that comes in 
and uh, it's killing some of the animals. They, they go and like they get one gun and they shoot it, and then it does nothing. So they go get a more powerful gun and they shoot it, and it does nothing. And then they shoot it with an even more powerful gun than that, and it still does yeah. nothing. And then, then it just runs away. They so, should have went and got a Gatling runs gun. Runs away with a tracer. pig. Well, I'm saying. <laughs> hey, there's your story for the tracers. There you go. There you go. Uh, Keith, I'm curious uh, about your experience. We know that you went out there. Um, did you have any uh, – what was your experience out there? It was just a weird vibe of a place. Uh, I got to go out on the west side of the ridge, uh, not where the, the ranch is. But, uh, you know, we did see what looked like a big panther moving up and down the ridge, and there are no panthers out there. That we know of, right? And uh, you know, and there were some strange lights in the sky, but and it's and it all involved where it's over the ridge, and but it could be you know cloud accumulation or almost anything natural. You know, I'm not gonna say it was something supernatural, but uh, it's just a weird place. Uh, if uh, this we ever get out of quarantine one of the trips I want to do is go out to Strawberry Ranch and spend the weekend out there. Yeah, man, I'll be out that way. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. One of the things I was reading about in one of John Keel's book, we've been talking a lot about uh, different clouds and things like that. And he talked about those pockets of gas and cloud um, that even a guy that was a World War One veteran said that it was worse than when he was covered in mustard gas was just this pocket of gas that just showed up and ran his family out of their farmland. So, you know, and they think that that might be supernatural. Yeah, and, or, and, or and again, they get all the weird, you know, the, they get all the weird radiation. Right. So they've had that happen. They've had several noticed that through the years, and they were actually able to get readings and stuff from it. And they don't know where it comes from, or just it just happens. It's right. you know, it's like the like uh, Bermuda, you know, you're flying along, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, all your instrumentation is gone. Right. Well, and that's what one of the things that I found when I was looking up some of the things that happened up there is a thing that this thing called the sentient mist. Yeah. And it's described by Bigelow researchers as a neurological electricity. Hmm. Uh, it's a unique entity is completely black in color takes the intangible form of a thick smoke the smoke is described uh, like a disembodied skin of black electrified energy that possesses an intellect so you know it could be something yeah, it's, like it's that. like it's yeah it's it's you know from what I understand it's basically like you said has its own brain thought you know because it's like it's aiming at people mm -hmm. uh, so you know whether it's somebody releasing it or whatever you know like I said when you're dealing with Indian lore there's so much that they believe in that we don't really know what is causing it but that's like when we were shooting Soul Catcher out, out in uh, Oklahoma uh, we captured something on thermal coming at us, which we, we thought was a big bear coming out of the ridge. And, uh, but it wasn't giving off a heat signature, but it was just big, like a bear. Right. And it was wild. And, and then it got closer to us. And if you watch the film, we actually show it. It turns into 
a man standing there with one eagle uh, feather in his hair dressed and standing with a blanket around him like an old school Indian. Wow. Standing there just looking at us. And we got all that on thermal. So, hmm. you know, uh, we just don't know what is the Indian lore or what, you know, what it does. Is this a hot spot for UFO? Definitely. Uh, is there some type of submerged city under the lake or in these caves? We don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I'm hoping that Skinwalker Ranch series isn't like, uh, what you call it, uh, the other series where they've been digging for five years trying to yeah. find oh, the, the Curse of Oak Island or curse, whatever. Yeah, Curse of Oak yeah. Island. You know, hey, we found a piece of metal. Yeah. Found a piece of wood. Yeah. You know, I hope it doesn't show. go that like that. But uh, as a Professor Taylor, uh, I got a lot of respect for this guy. I mean, uh, he did a lot of research on Tesla. And, you know, again, that's one of these things that we're never really going to know what happened until we find, you know, the smoking gun. And it's that's the same way with the paranormal. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Well, like you said, until somebody, you know, presents some piece of evidence that nobody can look at it and say it's something else, that's the only, that's the only time it's really going to be anything more than just theories and and hobbies so right but right. you know and at the end of the day we then just we have can to all do put PhDs behind our names yeah <laughs> i got i got my phd from the keith age school of paranoia there you go <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> all right josh well just like you said we we only scratched the surface and uh you know hopefully we'll come back and uh, hit up some more stories down the road uh, but yeah, we need to start wrapping up. Uh, but thanks for sharing that research with us, buddy. Yep. Yeah. And if anybody has any stories related to Skinwalker Ranch, get a hold of one of us. We'd love to hear them. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a great lead-in to our listener story for this week. Um, but yeah, absolutely. If you have been out to Skinwalker or you know someone that has, and you've got some stories, send those to us, fearscapepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook, wherever. Any three of us, we'd love to know. Uh, as well as any other listener stories that you have, you know, anything paranormal related, UFO, cryptid, whatever, something spooky and weird. Maybe you got a weird phone call. Let us know. Um, but this week I've Maybe got a, a really weird email. Yeah, if you get a weird email like we got. Um, but or, or they send you a silver bullet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but this week we've got a cool one. Uh, this comes from a co-worker buddy of mine. His name's Dale Williams. Uh, him and I had a long, extensive conversation over chat one day at work. And uh, he gave me his permission to uh, go ahead and use w all the stuff that he shared with me on here. And so instead of kind of like chopping it up and making it one story, mm -hmm. I kept the dialogue as is. And I uh, got a good buddy of mine. He's an actor. His name's Daniel Doremus. And him and I uh, portrayed this together. I portray myself. And Daniel uh, portrays my buddy Dale, Dale Williams. And so this is, uh, the, I guess, Dale's stories. Yeah. Hey, Dale, personal question. Uh, you know I host a paranormal podcast, right? Um, well, I was wondering... Have you ever had any weird shit happen to you here at work or here or see things on nights? Because you work by yourself at night. Now, I know I've had a few while people are here, so surely you've had some unexplained things. Every now and then, I hear some strange noises. Also, on some nights, I get this strange feeling that I just want to run and get out of here. Other nights, I'm not bothered at all. Not sure if that's just me or not. 
Holy shit, that's crazy. I knew it. See, one time I had my shoulder tapped, and it, and it happened like a bunch of times. I had my chair oh, pulled. Geez. I saw, oh, dude, I saw my marker on my desk. It spun, and then it slid to the other side, and I about shit myself on that one. And you know we're pretty level in here. Yeah, no, that, mm. Okay, come to think of it, one night when I was here and half the damn light bulbs were out... As they are. I happened to glance up and could have sworn I saw the shadow of someone walking across the stage towards where the inventory is. Nope, nope. When I looked directly up there, though, there was nothing there. Mm-mm. I had only seen it out of my peripheral vision, so I assumed it was a trick of lighting. It was enough to make me call out, hello, and then go up there and check the stage, though. Oh, hell no. I would have never gone up there. I'd have run straight out of the, <laughs> on my face like Don Knotts and the ghost of Mr. Chicken. <laughs> I mean, I just assumed it was my imagination playing tricks on me. Oh, uh, another thing. I did live in an apartment once where my bathroom was right across the hall from the kitchen. And whenever I was in the kitchen... I could see a man in a black suit with dark hair and a white shirt standing in the door of the bathroom watching me. My peripheral vision, though. If I looked over to the bathroom, which I did many times, there was nothing there. Oh, that's creepy. Just staring at you? When I went to move out, I asked the landlord about it, and turns out a tenant had killed himself in the bathtub several years before. Oh my god! But I'll be honest with you, dude, I'm not surprised. On our show, we collect stories all the time from people around the country, and we see similar stuff all the time, and I haven't really talked to you about it, but I've seen a multitude of things and spirits in my lifetime alone. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have had some really interesting experiences myself. Uh, one night, about two weeks ago, the light in the foyer here at work out by the conference room kept coming on like it does when it detects motion. Mm-hmm. I checked the parking lot for the owner's car, but no one else was here. Mm. I have also gotten up and found one of the bathroom lights on several times when no one else is here. And you know it has a motion sensor, too. Oh, my God, that's insane, dude. I don't know how you work by yourself, man. Uh, but do you have any other experiences, like, from life? Uh, yeah. Uh, I had a friend who used to work at a funeral home down in Taylorsville, Kentucky. The building was over 100 years old, and he lived in a three-bedroom apartment above the funeral home. He would have me come and make memorial videos for the families when they wanted them. One night I was there, and he had to go run errands, and therefore left me alone in the funeral home. Hell no. (laughs) I, of course, always felt a bit on edge being there by myself. Of course. Well, one night I was there scanning pictures for the video when I was all alone, and all of a sudden I kept hearing this thump, thump, thump sound. I kid you not... It was coming from the embalming room. I kept looking down the hallway toward the embalming room thinking, Oh God, if I see a body coming up the hallway, I'm going to break the door getting out of here. (laughs) I would too. I mean, it would be quiet for a minute or two and then start thumping again. I got so unnerved that I actually went out and sat in my car and waited for him to get back. (laughs) I told him about it, and he told me I was crazy. 
There was nothing back there that was on or would make a noise. He also pointed out that the embalmer was out sick, and there wasn't even a body in the building at that time. But I know something was there. I could feel it and hear it. Heck yeah, man. All the dead people that were in there. Who knows? Oh, God. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dale, man. These were so awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing these. (laughs) Hey, no worries. Ah, I lived in a really haunted apartment at one point. I'll tell you about that as well sometime. Of course you did. (laughs) I look forward to it, man. All right, yeah, so Dale had quite the amount of stories there. You know, it's funny, when I first hit him up, he was like, ah, you know, just not a lot of stuff, man. But then as soon as it, as soon as it opened up, dude, it was like this floodgate of, oh, yeah. Awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, because, you know, we uh, I work, you know, well, not right now while we're at home, but when we are in the office, it's an old building uh, over in Portland, and it's, you know, it's 100 years old or so, and there's it's been a lot of things, a school, a library, a gym, and yeah. All kinds of stuff, dude. I mean, I've seen so much stuff in there. I my, mean, yeah, my boss talked, has. <laughs> talked a lot about it on here. You know, the, the toilet paper falling. Yeah, off yeah, the thing. dude. All yeah. kinds of crazy stuff in there has happened, man. It's it's nuts. And Dale's just the reason I hit up Dale is because he works nights by himself. And so I was like, dude, you're in there by yourself. He's like, dude, I have to turn off my my fear <laughs> <laughs> just to make it through the night. But yeah, just uh, just a reminder to everybody, you know, thank you, Dale, for letting me share that story. You guys, you can share your stories with us, message with us. I mean, we can we can document it just like I did with Dale. It's whatever you want to do. But, you know, get those pod or excuse me, get those listener stories to us at Fearscape podcast at Gmail dot com. But we need to get out of here. Keith, thank you so much, my friend, for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure getting with you, too. Yep, and as always, where can they find you if they want to uh, reach out to you? Best way to do it is go to Facebook and just look up Keith Age or www.louisvillegs.com. Yep, all right. Uh, Well, again, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And, uh, Josh, we we got to get out of here, man. Um, But before we go, we want to remind people to check out all of our social media links. You can find all of that at fearscapepodcast.com. You can get on there. There it's got our links to our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, and our YouTube. YouTube is Fearscape Media. The other social media links are at fearscapepod. You can go ahead and check that out and uh, make sure to follow us on there. And uh, Josh, what about uh, Patreon and, uh, you know, T-shirts and stuff? Yes, we've got a, a pretty awesome uh, T-shirt store. It's, it's ever-growing, uh, thanks to Stefan. And um, we are you can get to that by going to the store link on our website, as Stefan mentioned. You can also get to Patreon if you like what we bring you, if you like the content we bring, and you want to you know support us and, and lo- allow us to do some more uh, great things and bring that stuff to you, then uh, you can check out our Patreon page. We have four different uh, uh, tiers for you to get involved in, and at least two of those tiers uh, get you one of those uh, free T-shirt or free T-shirt for one of those talking about. Yeah, we'll even cover the shipping. I mean, everything. They're, they're at no cost to you uh, for uh, joining us as a uh, member of our top two two tiers there. Uh, but yeah, all of that can be found at fearscapepodcast.com. 
<laughs> All right, let's get out of here. I, you had a look on your face like you were going to say something. So uh, I guess you're just as anxious to stay on as I am. But we got to get out of here, man. My <laughs> yeah. wife, I can feel her. I can feel her. Um, but anyways, thank well, you guys so much for tuning into Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. One more time, thank you, Keith Age. Uh, thank you, you, Josh. Thank you, Stefan. That's me. Uh, but yeah, this has been <laughs> Stefan, and I'm out of here. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky on Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. (laughs) Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. Ha 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 